Welcome to the One Player Podcast, Episode 8. Choose your own adventure and other game books. If you want to hear about game books, keep listening. If you do not want to hear about game books, go on to the next episode. Hi, welcome back. It's been a while since my last episode. I think about four weeks now. I'm a bit rusty and uh, honestly I haven't had time to prepare for this show much. So I'm not sure what I'm going to get to say. Anyway, as I said earlier, I'm talking about game books. If you're not familiar with those, these are the sort of books where you start reading, the story is about you, you get to a couple pages, you have an adventure and it says, okay, now what do you want to do? Do you want to climb the building, turn to page 20, or do you want to go inside, turn to page 60? Or whatever the story is about. And you go through this way, making choices until you reach an end. And generally the books have multiple endings. There's quite a few different series and uh, styles of game books. Anyway, I'll get more into those uh, shortly. I'm also planning to talk about Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, a board game that's a few years old. Sort of plays like a game book and is about to be reprinted. Unfortunately, only in French at this time. Still, it might be worth learning a little bit more about this game. Before I get into either of those topics, what else has been going on? Let's see, I haven't had much time to play games lately. Things have been really busy, especially after school started again and taking my kids to school every day. I'm finding I just have less time and energy to play games. What I have been playing is mostly the Lord of the Rings card game and a couple victory point games. Besides that, stuff just trying to get ready for this episode. I still keep liking the, the Lord of the Rings card game. I found that second scenario really hard. That's what I was playing. I finally I finally beat the second scenario when I played it as a two-player game. So I'm going to call that one done and go ahead and try the third scenario next time I get the chance to play. That second scenario was just, it was just really, really hard. I don't think it was really designed for one player. It, at least that's the impression I got. I've also played a couple victory point games, but not much. Other than that, mostly I've been just trying to get ready for this episode. Just last week, Fantasy Flight Games published Elder Sign. Um, it's been released. I haven't seen it yet. Really curious about that game. Want to check it out, but I'll just try to avoid it. It's $35. It's an odd game box that just doesn't kind of fit well on my shelf. The game sounds neat. I really haven't looked into it much, but it sort of sounds like a... Sorry, there goes my dryer. Sort of sounds like a, an advanced Yahtzee, sort of, in that you're rolling lots of dice and re-rolling dice that don't match the symbols you're looking for. And calling it Yahtzee is probably terribly unfair and gross uh, exaggeration. Maybe that's not the right word, but anyway, there you go. That's what it seems like without knowing the game. There's a new blog I've been following called Solosaurus. It's about a a person's experience getting back into role-playing, and specifically solitaire role-playing. It's pretty neat. He's been playing different games, such as um, Death Watch. He's using the Mythic system to play it solo. And his posts so far have been telling the story of the game as it's going along, and how this how it surprises him sometimes, and the different things been happening. It's pretty neat to read. I definitely re- recommend checking it out if you're interested in a solo RPGs. I'll include the link in the show notes. Alright, so let's talk about game books. 
Is this a game books or are basically stories in which you're the main character and you get to decide what happens as you go along. These aren't getting published much anymore. I think most of them are probably from the 80s and 90s. And probably the bulk of those are from the 80s. I said the ones I remember the most are the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which was published for at least 10 or 15 years. I think they got as high as number 140 or so. The, the highest one I have is number 138, Dinosaur Island by Edward Packard. Funny enough, the first one I have is number one, The Cave of Time, also by Edward Packard. So these books are pretty cool. They're definitely printed for kids, or written for kids. I read my first one, I think, or got my first one when I was in seventh grade, and I kept collecting them for years, getting lots of them. They're all very fun. There's a few different writers, and you get all sorts of stories. Like I said, there's The Cave of Time, there's A Balloon Through the Sahara, Journey to the Sea... There's somewhere you go into space. Who Killed Harlow Thumbray is a murder mystery. I think that was one of my favorite ones. There's a few odd ones and just list goes on and on and on. The Choose Your Own Adventure series was also published for children. And I've got a couple for my kids. And they really seem to enjoy them. The stories are, well, I'd like to say the stories are less mature. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. The writing is probably a little bit simpler, and the stories tend to be shorter. There also seems to be a deluxe children adventure, or as they called it here, um, a children adventure super adventure. Journey to the year three thousand. I'd never heard of this one before until I started looking at the at the list of books in my copy of Dinosaur Island. These aren't bad. I wouldn't recommend going out and spending a ton of money on these. If you want to look for some, you might check eBay. I found most of my, actually I found all of mine at the thrift stores. Because I gave my, all the ones I used to have to my cousin many years ago. They come up occasionally. But if you check eBay, you'll definitely find lots of them. I think the earlier ones are better in that you have more choices to make. The stories are not very deep. As I said, they're made for uh, for kids in junior high or maybe high school if you push it. Um, So they aren't going to be very deep stories to begin with, but. Because you're making choices so often, you don't get deep plot lines. When um, I read Dinosaur Island the other day, and that has a lot fewer endings and a lot fewer decisions to make, I'd read 8 or 10 pages at a time before I came to a choice. I'd say it's not as fun for a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing, because you're going to end up having to reread a lot more often if you keep going back to the book with a few choices to make, so you'll feel like you're just reading the same book over and over. However... The story was a little bit better in that you were more interested in what was going to happen because it tended to have more depth to it. Basically, with long segments, I think the story just develops better. Another series that I really like is called Tolkien Quest or Middle Earth Quest, depending on which version of the books you have. Um, as you can guess from the name, these are based on the, the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. These are pretty neat because you actually make a character, you roll some stats for him, and when you tr- play in the game, you have maps to look at, and the maps, as you travel on the map, it'll tell you where to go, re- what section to go read. So, so they're pretty neat. The maps are colored, the character sheets are pretty basic, you'd, have, you'd probably want to make a copy of it not to ruin your book. These are also pretty expensive, if you look on eBay, they tend to be about, I think, 8 to $10 a book. Um, 
not very common so you're not likely to find them at a thrift store these are fun um, I was playing rescue and workboard the other day it went pretty well I'm adventuring but it was kind of annoying in that every time I died I would get resurrected and I could keep going and the story I probably played it for about two hours and kept fighting spiders over and over and orcs over and over and after all I just got bored and I gave it up if I had just gone ahead and died and gave up at that point I might have uh, been more tempted to go back sooner I think the writing is a little bit better but probably not that different from the Choose Your Own Adventure books another series I used to read was um, I don't have these handy I have them downstairs put away but they're uh, Dungeons and Dragons books they're similar to the Choose Your Own Adventure you just read through it and read the stories I think they're more interesting than Choose Your Own Adventure and they're a little more mature probably by a couple years and they all tended to be mostly fantasy theme and specifically Dungeons and Dragons type stuff I don't think those are too expensive you could probably find them on eBay alright um, you could probably find a decent sized lot on eBay for a good price that reminds me I think the biggest drawback about most of these books so far is that you're you're playing characters that are obviously young often kids so it's harder to get into character or at least now as an adult or maybe I shouldn't be playing these as an adult but anyway that's a different story okay and the next one I'm going to mention are the fighting fantasy game books published by or written by Ian Livingston and um, Steve Jackson this is not the Steve Jackson of Steve Jackson games this is a Steve Jackson that went on to found um Actually, I think Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone went on to found the the Warhammer games and the Warhammer universe and the White Dwarf magazine. But these books are similar to the Tolkien books in that you have a character with abilities and you're going around and fighting monsters. And I should say, it, these books with characters, you also roll dice when you're doing your combat. The stories that I've seen so far, I've read to Death Trap Dungeon and um, I've read Death Trap Dungeon and The Warlock of Fire Top Mountain. The stories in these are a bit more cheesy, generic fantasy stories. I found them less believable than the Tolkien stories, but at the same time, more fun to play. I think you get these for less than you can the Tolkien books. Uh, at least some of them were republished so they might be more readily available. Let me see. The most recent book I have was published in 2003 or 2004. Republished. Originally in 1986. Okay, those are the series I have personal experience with. Oh, wait, there's another one. These are also Dungeons & Dragons books. The series is called Catacomb Books. These are larger format printing. They're about the same size as a role-playing book which is about eight and a half by eleven these were different you have a character but also when you have to make choices there's always a page with a picture and you make your choices based on what you saw in the picture there might be three or four items you want to get and you look at the picture decide you know how's the scene look do you trust the guy that's on it or not and what do you want to do these are okay they're, they're kind of neat because they're Dungeons and Dragons the stories tend to be cheesy, cheesier than any of the others so far. 
not super deep. Not as fun as the uh, the fighting fantasy game books. But they're kind of neat because of the picture. I'm not sure what else to say about them. Probably the less the better. If you can find them for about $5 a book, I wouldn't pay more than that, I think. Besides that, there are lots of other books and series you could look into. A good resource if you want to find out more about these books is Demian's game book page. I'll provide links to that. It has a huge listing of game books by publisher, by writer. Uh, it's a database. You could search it all sorts of ways, and you could find books you want. You might be able to trade with somebody. Great, great resource for game books. It's almost the game book version of Board Game Geek, just without the graphics. I was able to use it though to go find files that I needed, like the uh, character sheet for the large catacomb books. I was missing one, and it was on the Damien's page. Anyway, you'll you'll be surprised by the number of series that are out there. I've got. Which Way Books, which are similar to Choose Your Own Adventure. I've got a, a book I found at a thrift store, which is a romance Choose Your Own Adventure. I haven't read it yet. I don't know anything about what it's like. I remember seeing other fighting books at the store I never picked up. Anyway, if you're interested in game books, definitely check out that page and check out some books. You could find similar things online now. I, I don't think they're as satisfying as holding a book in your hand and doing and reading through that. Oh, I also have a video that I picked up on some DVD. That's a choose your own adventure sort of thing called the I think the Well of Souls is a D and D story with a rendered three D animation. It was it was fun. I wouldn't spend much on that either I think. But definitely entertaining for a couple hours. Alright, let's move on to our pseudo review. Alright, so now I'm going to talk about Sherlock Holmes Consultant Detective. I'd like to review the game, but honestly I can't do that. I haven't played it in years, and I've only played it once at that. But I think I could do a pretty good job of telling you what the game is like. I'll let you decide if you like it or not, if you think you might like it or not. It was originally published in 1981. The publisher is R. Raymond Edwards, Suzanne Goldberg, and Gary Grady. The game won a Spiel des Jahres Award in 1986. It's designed for, I'm sorry, 1985, and it's designed for one to six players. In a way, this is sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure book in that you're playing and you get to decide what to do next and where to go. However, it really does play more like a mystery than anything else. What the game brings is a map of London, uh, a directory, which is sort of like a phone book, but instead of... Um, phone numbers since there probably weren't any phones back in Victorian London it has uh, locations which correlate to the map and to the clue book there is a case book which has 20 mysteries in it I believe it's 20 um, 10. 10 mysteries in it there is a quiz book which is basically a solution book a newspaper archive and a clue book so let me tell you a little bit more about each of these things. The The casebook is pretty straightforward. It describes what's going on. You read it, you find out about the case, you might have some notes or a letter or different things to look at, different clues. 
As you read it, there'll be different people's names and maybe locations in there. And that, that's what that's like. You, you can refer to that as you need to. Next up is probably the map. It is a map of London from around that time. And it's broken up into different sections. And there's different buildings in there, important buildings that are named or just some buildings that are numbered. So as you're playing the game, if you come across a, a couple buildings that are mentioned, maybe by number, you can get an idea where they are relative to each other. Next up is a directory. It is a huge listing of names and businesses. For example, let's look at the entry for under I, at the entries under I. I think there's like about 60 or so entries. Um, bunch of names, IKA, Society, Ibots and Fred, Icardi, Angelo, Iden Bell, Idler Eric, so on and so forth. There's also inns with a name of about 10 or 15 inns. And then there's uh, some insurance companies. All these entries have a location listed next to them, which correlate to a location on the map and sometimes a location in the clue book. So, for example, if your mystery told you to, that a certain person's involved, you might look in the directory for that person and find out that they're listed at some location. And then you can go into the clue book and go, see, go to that person's house and talk to them by reading a paragraph in the clue book. The map works the same way. You can look for locations on the map and then find out their number and then go look in the clue book. It's been a while, as I said, it's been a while since I played. I don't remember actually using the map much other than for for flavor. Though it might be that there's some cases in there where you, it might tell you, look along, you know, there's some place along the river where the bad guy went to. So you might start checking places along the river, seeing if any of them offer any clues. The next item of interest is the newspaper archive. It's a booklet, looks like it's got about 20 or 30 pages, maybe a little more. And the pages look like newspaper pages, just a lot smaller, full of different articles. As you're playing, you might want to look through the newspaper to see if anything of interest happened. For example, if uh, your case, you might be reading that the uh, suspect was a short, hairy guy, and you kept seeing that. And then you start looking through the newspaper and you realize that there's a circus in town. Hey, maybe my suspect is a gorilla. And you wouldn't figure that out unless you look in the, in the newspaper. Anyway, all these things, all these clues that you're finding lead you to the clue book. They'll generally lead you to an entry based on the location number. And when you read it, it might be some dialogue or tells you what happens when you go to that location. So you keep playing, you read your paragraph, I'm sorry, as you play, you read your your story, decide to go visit a few locations, maybe that gives you some more clues, and based on that, you might look in a few other locations and look up more clues, or maybe read the newspaper and find something interesting. And little by little, you start piecing together the story and the mystery. And you keep playing until you think you know what happened, and at that point, you check your quiz book to see if you're right or wrong. Now, here's the thing. The the clues won't give you an obvious answer. You have to read your clues and figure out what you think happened based on those clues. You know, Once you find all the information and you make a guess, you might be totally wrong just because... So, it's a, that, so that's what the game is like. As I said, it's sort of like trying to really solve a mystery. It's pretty neat. The only problems with this game are... One, that it only brings 10 mysteries, and two, that it's not that cheap. 
since it's out of print. I think it runs for about $25 or so on eBay. There are a couple expansions. Unfortunately, those are even more rare and more expensive. I think each of the expansions also had another 10 mysteries. I'm not sure at all on that. And as I said, there's a French version coming out later this year. And it's being published by Yastari Games. So it should be, should be a nice looking version of the game. Well, that's it. I hope you uh, found this uh, pseudo review useful. And if you find the game interesting, give it a try and let me know what you think. I'm looking forward to the next episode where I'm going to look into playing a multiplayer game, Solitaire. I'm probably going to play one of the two Men of Iron games published by GMT. Been wanting to play those for a while and just tugging that out, so here's a good opportunity. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.